0: to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier, here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And Billy Holiday. Hello there. And this week we're going to take a look at an NES game that none of us got to play before, Kid Dracula, mm-hmm. thanks to its inclusion on the uh, the new Konami Castlevania Collection. But before we talk about that, or really the collection, Billy, what have you been playing since our last episode?
1: Uh, well, I've, I've, whew, I've got it bad. I'm still playing Stardew Valley, and it has gone from my relaxing for 20 minutes at night before big game to just uh, whenever I got a spare minute, I'm on the thing. It's bad. Um, it's, it's not Jeremy Gregory Witcher 3 bad. It's not Jeremy P Monster Hunter bad, uh, but it, it, it has the potential I can foresee of, of reaching that. I mean, I am I'm fucking I've got like 10 chests out of my farm. I've, just, I've got it, Things things are organized in alphabetical order. And, and my crops, I dug up a ton of crops because I didn't like the placement of them. And I, I've spent about a half hour, just real time, just reorganizing crops, plotting out crops. I almost got a sheet of paper out and, and just kind of plotted it on there. It's getting bad, uh, but I, I'm just enjoying it so much. And that's, that's just the perfect kind of game to me where uh, there's no rush. And like I said last time, I love Harvest Moon, but they they kind of push you to accomplish this by a certain time. But I like this game; it's just it's laid back, and it's. Uh, I, I just wish I could shake it a little bit. It's starting to become trouble.
2: Now I was like a really big Harvest Moon fan back on the on the Super NES, mm-hmm. and from what I've heard, this is this is basically just that, but but more involved, I
1: guess. Yeah, it, it's 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 like that. It's the farming aspect, and and but I would say the town aspect the social aspect is, is more like an animal crossing you know it heavily relies on you know someone in town will will ask if you can run an errand for them or give them gifts you kind of learn what everyone's favorite items are one thing that's, that's got me hooked in is uh there, there's heart levels and you know as you give people particular gifts or talk to them every day it goes up and each character you know, depending on the heart levels, the heart levels go up. Uh, you get like this this cutscene that tells a little more about them individually. So, I and there's like 20 townspeople, and I'm working my way through it because I've just at this point I know I have to see all of these.
0: Well, I have not played much since our last episode, other than this collection that we're going to talk about, uh, mm-hmm. because I went to the Indianapolis 500 uh, last weekend, which was a lot of fun, and I met up with Jeremy, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a, a, a nice dinner and we went to Tapper's Arcade. Oh! We to Tapper's Arcade. And, we, and, we, and uh, I had never been to one of these. Basically, you, can, you buy a beer and then you can play games for free uh, the whole time you're there. Mm-hmm. So we found, and I'd never gotten to play it before, and finished Moonwalker, uh, the arcade ah. version of Moonwalker, which was completely yes. different than the Genesis one we covered. And it yes. was fun. I had a good time with that. We played Smash TV long enough to get to the, the, what, the big boss guy, and that's all you really need to see there. And, uh, and it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, it was nice to to meet Jeremy. Uh, I'm sure he probably thinks the same because I'm a I'm, I'm a delight, so I'm sure he had a good time. Uh, but that I've done that, and then other than that, and this collection, uh, I spent a lot of time in airports uh, as part of this trip. So I played the Mega Man collection and finished Mega Man One while waiting for a flight. That was that was <laughs> my exciting gaming time. Other than the Castlevania collection, but Jeremy, what have you been doing since our last show?
2: Uh, I mean, really, not much more than what you've been doing. I the uh it was i think we talked about that moonwalker arcade game just a bit when we did the genesis moonwalker episode and uh yeah just just seeing i guess for anyone that's never seen the original uh moonwalker arcade game like going into that and just being used to the sega genesis game you'd probably be like what in the world is this because it's this weird kind of like top down like beat em up like almost like a turtles game or something mm-hmm. and, it, and it's just it's so weird i mean I wish I wish that game could have uh, got on the Sega Genesis because it's just it's such a different game that I think they could have maybe double dipped with some Michael Jackson on the Sega Genesis. Uh, But the other thing that we played that I was actually really shocked at that I'd never actually I mean, I'd played it before, but I never got to the point that we did was Contra the the arcade game. Yes. Mm. Yes. And the most surprising thing about that. Was finding out there is a limited amount of buy-ins that you can do for that game. There's only so many continues. You know, you can put quarters in, and at some point, it's just like game over. And I was just like, that's not possible. This is an arcade game. Who in the world would ever think to put limited continues in an arcade game? Uh, but yeah, that was it. Was just so strange. But yeah, that place was really cool. Getting getting to finally beat Mutoid Man, even though it was on. Infinite continues. I mean, I'm sure we spent, you know, if we were spending real money, we would have probably spent around $25 just getting <laughs> the Mutoid Man. Um, yeah, we did and, a lot,
0: but it was fun. Yeah,
2: it, that whole place was, was pretty cool. And it, uh, if you've got like a you know, an arcade bar like that, they, they seem to be getting kind of popular. Uh, they, they've been popping up in, in larger cities uh, here in the last few years. I went to one in Cincinnati not too long ago. That was very similar to the one that we went to. Uh, if you get a chance, go you know check it out. Like, it's really fun just to go play those those games uh, without the, you know, knowing that you've only got maybe a dollar of quarters that your parents gave you back in the day. And you can just sit there and play it all you want. And all the all the place asks of you is to just get really drunk. And, you know, that is easily accomplished.
0: Well, and they had a good selection of beers. They had a Raspberry Sour I was very excited about, but you know, no one cares about my beer choices, especially on this podcast. So let's go ahead and get started with this episode's game, Kid Dracula, uh, for the Nintendo, as seen on the Konami Castlevania Collection. Directly came out in 1990, which would put it right after Castlevania 3, which came out in 1989, and Super Castlevania 4 in 1991. Um, it never came out here. I figured just because they thought you know, why would anyone in the U.S. care about a super-deformed Dracula action game? Uh, But that said, the sequel, which came out on Game Boy a couple years later, did come out in this country, so I'm not quite sure why it never came out here before, but I was extremely excited when I saw this collection was coming out, because this was one of the games that, you know, I'd never gotten to play. I only knew about Kid Dracula, because when I bought Symphony of the Night, you know, years ago when it was new, I got a free soundtrack CD with it that went through the all the Castlevania games And one of this the, the tracks in it Was this weird, upbeat, jaunty music That I just figured had to be some You know, like a um, Stinger or one of those Goofier Konami arcade games uh, But no, it turns out it was Kid Dracula And uh, and that's the first thing you have When you turn this game on It is definitely a little different, more upbeat And definitely super deformed Dracula And not what I thought it would be When I heard it was coming in the collection
1: Hmm
2: yeah this is i mean i I'd never actually heard of the n e s one um I, I knew of the the game boy one but i would never actually heard of this game and so when they said they were gonna toss it is toss it into this collection and actually localize it i was I was looking forward to it, but I didn't expect much because if you just look at the pictures i mean this looks like a, as kitty of a game that you could ever get you know this yes. is literally baby's first video game mm-hmm. um and and that's just the – as soon as you look at a screenshot of it, you're just like, yep, that's – you know, I can plow through this game in one life because it looks like it's going to be that challenging. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was definitely interested in playing it because it's one I hadn't played before, and I just assumed it wasn't very good. I actually tried to find some facts about this game online, and other than the uh, the the booklet, like the online booklet that comes with the collection, there's really not much out there on this game other than what you'll find in that collection. So – I guess it just wasn't, you know, there's not a great story behind it that's like, oh, yeah, this was a game that, you know, these developers really wanted to put out and they did. It seems like it was just thrown out to kind of, you know, fill a gap in time and it just was not determined to be a necessity to come over in the U.S. But, you know, Hmm. uh, I I didn't have a lot of of expectations that it would be amazing, uh, but it's not what I expected. And that's actually, I think, a good thing. Um, But before we get into Kid Dracula... Has anyone really played with uh, the rest of the games in the collection? So you have Castlevania 1, 2, and 3 for the NES. You've got Super Castlevania 4 for the Super Nintendo, which we covered in our 16-bit Castlevania, along with Bloodlines, which is also on here, which was another game I was super excited to have uh, in a format that I could play uh, on my current TV without having to hook up a Genesis up or play it on an emulator. Um and then it also has the two Game Boy, not the Game Boy Advance Castlevanias, but the two Game Boy Castlevanias, which mm-hmm. I had the first Game Boy Castlevania as a kid and loved it, but I also only had Tetris and Castlevania, so it's pretty easy to love a game <laughs> when you only have one other game to play. Yes. Um, I, have you guys played much of these Game Boy games on this collection?
1: Well, I had, I had intended to you know kind of start from the top of the list and work my way down. Of course, I... I Putting time into Kid Dracula. Uh, I am just about finished up with the first one. I, I plan on moving on to the second after that. I did get sidetracked, though, pl- playing Super Castlevania again. I, I was just so excited um, you know, to actually have that one up on the TV again playing through. Uh, that I, I, di- I did get sidetracked with that. But my intentions are to finish, finish one and, and then just proceed on to the second one from there.
2: I, I actually went straight for super Castlevania because that's, that's just one of those games that hasn't been on anything really besides the uh, super NES classic. Yeah. Um, it's it's never been in any sort of Castlevania collection before, you know, those have always been uh, relegated to symphony of the night and, and Rondo of blood and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, seeing that on there, I, yeah, I went straight for that, played it basically all the way through. Um, of course played the, the two NES games and then I saw the Game Boy Castlevania. Mm-hmm. And like Jeremy, I only owned like two or three Game Boy games when I first got my Game Boy. And mm-hmm. one of them was that first Castlevania. Because, I mean, that's, you, you see that, you know, it's it's Castlevania and it's for the Game Boy. How, I mean, it, it can't go wrong. Yeah, And it went really wrong because it is like playing just this weird knockoff of a Castlevania game. (laughs) It just, it sort of looks like cast. It looks like the title screen should be like, you know, Castlevania or something. Just Mm -hmm. one of the letters changed just so you, you, it couldn't be uh, sued or something, but it's, it's like playing this. It's so slow. It's like the entire game is in slow motion. Nothing really works like a Castlevania game. Uh, It's just not good. And even, I think it's only, like, what, four or five levels long? It's still impossibly hard. Mm. I, I, it's it's awful. I, I need to actually get to the second uh, Game Boy Castlevania game, because I've never actually played that one, though.
0: I did play through the first one. I saved, stated the hell out of it to finish it in this, because I'd never finished it on the Game Boy when I had it. I think I got to the third level. There's only four. And the third level on that Game Boy game is a, a level where it spikes chase you the whole time, so you have to make a bunch of jumps and not, not time the wrong. Uh, meanwhile, try not to get hit by things because they knock you immediately off the platform and into the spikes. It's not fun. It was not fun at the time. Even with save states, it probably took me a couple hours. Not enjoyable. <laughs> not not a great game. But that said, the music on both the Game Boy games yeah, are great, even on the, the TV, which is the other thing with these Game Boy games when I was playing them. It's weird to see them on a giant TV, even even Mm. like a regular size, like even a 13 inch TV still in your in your room or whatever and and had it on there, it would still look really big compared to a Game Boy. But on a 50 inch TV, it looks offensively large (laughs) and and it does not age well. But the second one is a much better game. Um, But either way, the rest of the games on this collection, you know, we've talked about the 16 bit Castlevanias. Uh, I don't think we've really gone into the earlier Castlevanias too much, but they're classics. Uh, And so so the Game Boy ones are a nice addition. Uh, just for the sake of having them, but uh, at least that first Game Boy 1 probably can avoid the Castlevania adventure uh, at all costs, except that, again, the music is pretty great. But Mm. like we said, Kid Dracula is the eighth game on this collection, one none of us have played before, and it it, it stars a a super-deformed Dracula character or the son of Dracula, depending on which version of the instructions you're reading. Um, It is a... At first, the first level... Really looks like someone took the first level of Castlevania and tried to make it look blocky and cartoony. Um, yeah. I think the, the graphics in this game are closer to how a Mega Man looks than a Castlevania. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. first level definitely looks like Castlevania, but slightly off. But once you start that second level, it's laid out exactly like, you know, Air Man or one of, those, one of those cloud-based Mega Man levels. I mean, to the, to the point where they have ladders instead of staircases. I mean, it's a minor, a minor point, but every other Castlevania game, it's all staircases. This... Ladders, just like Mega Man.
1: I mean, it, it moves and is shaped like Mega Man. If you would have sat me down with this and and said, you know, guess what game this is 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 a part of? Uh, I, yeah, this is is totally from the from, even from the character, little you know, kid kind of. uh He's even the same size, basically in terms of everything else on there. I just it, it screams Mega Man as you play through, but but yeah, they're they're just very small. Uh, a little, a very small kind of little reminders that, yeah, this is within the, the, you know, Castlevania universe of, of games.
2: Yeah. And even when he gets hit, you know, he kind of does this like stun backwards kind of thing, just like Mega Man instead Mm -hmm. of doing the classic Castlevania thing of just Mm -hmm. doing a full jump back and falling into a pit somewhere, even though he'll probably be doing plenty of that anyway, but still it, there's just, yeah, it's, it's way more Mega Man, uh, than than what you'd think a castlevania game should be but yeah that first stage though uh really got me i thought that was actually really cool because it goes through almost the entire castle dracula from mm-hmm. the very beginning uh all the way to the end like you go through uh you know the beginning of like stage 1 in in uh, the in the nes game mm-hmm. through the clock tower all the way up into like you know the the uh, dracula's tower itself that was really neat and I was kind of hoping the rest of the game would, would kind of continue on with that, maybe just being like some some neat little callback, some very simple cartoony callbacks to the NES game. Mm. Uh, but no, it, it just really just turns into, literally it could have been any other NES side-scroller in the world with, with any other character. Um, and, it, it you know, just a generic platform game.
1: Yeah, it, it, it takes, uh, this game takes some bizarre... Turns and, and definitely some odd scenarios I guess we'll discuss, but the, the other thing that got me uh, about the first stage was the the difficulty or, or lack thereof. Um, obviously Castlevania games are known to, you know, to pack a little bit of a wallop and and I found myself breathing this first stage and, and it got me a little concerned I just I, uh, I, I think I labeled this one uh, you know my, my first Castlevania. Uh, you know, it's like a, a. It looks like a kind of kids' game, and I was worried that's where you are going to throughout. But uh, you, you find out pretty quick. It's 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 not all child's play on this
0: one. Yeah, the first level is super easy. There's there's almost nothing that's going to challenge you in that first level. Yeah. I mean, if if you've played Castlevania before, you'll enjoy the fact that it is like like Jeremy said, the layout of the original Castlevania game. Mm-hmm. But it is. I mean, the monsters all die in one hit. They never really come at you in groups necessarily in the first level. Um, all that Kid Dracula can do because this is an NES game, you have two buttons. So he has a regular shot that you push the button and he fires it straight in front of him, uh, or up. You can push up and he'll shoot up instead. But it's not—it's not eight directions. It's just four, um, or I guess just three: up, left, and right. Um, and then he has a jump button. Okay, no big deal. Uh, but you'll see what even in the first level it has like a, a magic power listed for your character mm. and. Your regular magic power just lets you fire special magic bullets that do three times the damage of normal bullets. Well, in every other Castlevania, your special attack is up and B, um, you know, or up up in the attack button in any event, and that that's what I assumed it was in this. But no, in this game, much like as a, in a Mega Man, for example, a later Mega Man, you hold down your attack button and he'll charge up, and then he'll do the shot. And if you do that as you hit the enemies, and the enemy dies because of a, of a special shot then you get a coin. They drop coins. Um, there's not a lot of drops in this game, unlike a Castlevania where you'd have hearts and stuff to pick up. There's really, you can find a few hearts that work as your life in this game. Uh, you have a, a three heart life bar that you start with. You can find two more hearts as you play to make it a maximum of five. It's pretty easy to find those hearts, even in some of the later levels if you die and continue. You'll find another heart almost immediately on starting that those later levels. So you'll have three to four hearts, you know, pretty easily, and you should have five, because the the five hearts will stay even after you die. It's only when you continue that you yeah. lose those extra hearts. Um, but yeah, so if you kill the enemies with a super shot, you get a coin. Um, that's all the enemies drop, and, and when you get coins, if you have coins, at the end of the level, you get to go to a bonus game. Uh, now, the bonus games, I don't know if you guys tried all the bonus games, because you can't pick which one you want to do directly. It's one of those deals where it's like it shows you Four lines and little bridges between the lines, and then whatever you pick at the top, it falls through. And if it hits a bridge, it has to take a turn. That's a bad explanation of something that's probably explained much better. Uh, but there will be a picture of it, I'm sure, on our Twitter and our uh, Instagram page. But so you figure, you know, you, you do this to kind of gauge where you want to go for a bonus game, and then it gives you these these four bonus games, all of which mm-hmm. are different. Uh, but also, all of which are fairly terrible. So you can get a roulette game, can can, garapon or jab and pop. <laughs> did you guys get to play all four of these?
1: I did not. I got to play uh, roulette and what, is it jab and pop. Jab and pop. Full disclosure: I've been calling this fucking game jib jab for for, <laughs> for like all all week. And I was prepared to call it that again uh, before I was corrected, before we began. But uh, Jab and Pop, I landed on that almost every time. And and I have to say, I had absolutely no idea how to get coins throughout this game until several stages in. So, so you know, the little, uh, Jab and Pop is a, a a skeleton. He's in a barrel. And there are all these little slots in the barrel. and And for each coin, you get to insert a sword into it. And I, I guess the, the correct slot uh, that, that's going to run him through with the sword. Uh, but, but every time, he would just taunt me endlessly. You know, I don't have enough coins to play. Uh, I didn't, because I didn't even try charging up that, that regular shot. I had no idea how to do it. I also did the Castlevania up and up and attack thing, uh, and I just I couldn't get it to work. It wasn't until uh, just a little bit later on, uh, there's another upgrade you get, and I consider it to be probably the best. It's the homing upgrade, uh, which follow which shoots four or five shots that will scatter across the screen, and uh, that's a pretty good job of homing in on enemies. And then I noticed uh, that I would get the, uh, the, the coin drops from that. So I, I was a few stages in before I actually got to play anything. Uh, but I only got Jab and Pop and Roulette, uh, i didn't even get to see the other ones
2: i was the exact same like i didn't know how to get the coins mm-hmm. i was. i it kept you know at the end of the stage regardless if you have coins or not it still kind of does the the random select of, of a yes. one of the games and so you get in there and it's like you don't have any coins tough luck mm-hmm. it's like oh oh well where were the coins i never saw any coins. yeah like, everything dies with one hit anyway, so I never really tried to charge up anything to, you know, until, like you, a few few stages later. Mm. Um, but for me, once I finally did start getting coins and could play them, I did get to play all of them, but the mm. one that came up for me the most was the one where you, you turn the thing and the ball comes out, the colored ball.
0: Yeah, yep.
2: And uh, so, like, if it's white, you if the ball comes out and it's white, you get no lives. I think if it's red, you get one or two and then if it's blue you get like four lives
1: no can you do anything to influence this
2: no you literally just press the button and the thing spins and a ball comes it's, out
0: it is the worst mini game by
2: far yeah it's, <laughs> it's completely so bad. random and all i would ever get was that stupid white ball and so i it was just like yeah i'm spinning this thing over and over you know there's no fun to it at all hmm. um i i did get the other one uh where you've got a uh guess the the color of the girl's panties uh <laughs> and like i i there's like five different colors you can pick so i was like I, I don't fucking know and every time i picked it was it was it was the wrong color anyway so hmm. yeah, yeah and, they, and you have to watch the dance
0: pants. they take forever and it's it's bloomers to be fair i don't think it's their panties but it doesn't matter the point uh, is you watch these dancers and they flash up what color underwear they're wearing and uh, and you get points if you picked it the the, the other one's roulette which is the best of the the mini games only because it's roulette and therefore it has Mm -hmm. a set of rules that almost everyone can figure out um that said the only reason i wanted to get into it and the only reason i wanted to cover these now is one it happens after every level and two especially in the case of roulette you can earn a ton of lives Mm. if you're lucky you can also get a lot of nothing and waste your time and hate them yeah but if you get roulette and in roulette you can actually keep betting on uh the the numbers in the roulette wheel are just uh, coins, one, two, three, and five. Uh, and if you bet on, any, on each one with you know, however many coins it takes, it gives you a multiple of that number. So if you bet three times on the one and then one comes up that time, then you get three lives instead of one. So I would just play it and just put everything on five up to four upgrades which is the most you can do. So you win 20 lives if it hits. And it hit once or twice. Uh, you know, I was playing through it. So that meant I walked into one level with like 45 lives. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> and I was like, "All right, this is great." Now that's that's good because a lot of these levels, even though they're they're fairly short, um, I mean, for Castlevania levels, I'd say they're pretty short. Yeah, um, they also are hard enough that there are definitely checkpoints in them. And I'm glad uh, after that first level, that is Baby's first video game, the second level immediately puts you onto a, a a level that's based in the clouds and on like a railway, and there's a lot of places where you can fall to your death which didn't happen at all in the first level uh, unless you really wanted it to Uh, but in this level not only are there plenty of spots where you can fall just because you missed the jump because you have to make a lot of these jumps at the very end of of the platform which is a pretty Castlevania thing to Mm. do Um, but also in traditional Castlevania fashion if you're hit by an enemy you knock back farther than you think you will now it's not as far and extreme as in say Castlevania 1 but it's still farther than you think, and it's farther than Mega Man. I know you brought up how Mega Man flashes when he gets hit, but he just kind of gets mm-hmm. knocked back like, like a smidge, and flashes and is invincible. Uh, you can die that way, but this is like you get hit and you'll bounce like three times, and it's still pretty far. Yeah, and especially on those cloud areas, uh, you can die pretty quickly. But much like how Billy mentioned, after every level, not only do you get a chance for this most exciting bo- most exciting bonus round, but mm-hmm. you also get a new attack for the first. Five levels of the game. So you start yes. with normal shot as your power. You can earn a homing shot for second level, and that allows so that five five balls come out. They're smaller looking than your your charged shot before, but then they will they home in on guys on the screen. And especially mm-hmm. in this second level, I mean you have it at this point, so why not use it? Um, you know, you kind of anytime you're making a jump. You want to charge up that homing shot and fire it off first because mm-hmm. it's going to home in on guys. You know, later on there are these witches that drop things on you, and if you don't have them killed and you don't constantly yeah. move because you know the level, you're going to get hit. And those clouds are just big enough that unless you're on the very far edge, you're going to get knocked off. Yeah, and you lose Which a life. Which
1: is useful because you can you can you know you can charge it down, and as long as you hold the button down, you, you keep your charge. So that that did become a technique. Um, is is just kind of knowing where those i mean unfortunately it came with with you know repeated going through it but kind of knowing where those enemies are and and just letting off that charge shot and once I started doing that i mean that's when the that's when the coins finally started rolling in and I got the whole whole minigame thing uh figured out uh but there ended up being some pretty interesting uh weapons you can pick up on here and and some of varying use uh there's one in particular I don't think I ever used. Um, and there's some that I, I was pleased with the way the weapons were done. Um, they're not given in a way, and then immediately the next stage you're like, oh, I have to use this the entirety. Um, and then there are some you, you gain, and you find you don't really use them until a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, that homing shot was, was definitely the MVP of the game uh, as far as the, the, the special shots go.
2: As for the weapons, yeah, the the homing shot is, is the one that you stick to because uh, besides one, one of the other weapons uh, uh, that I only used once to beat a boss with, mm. uh, I could not tell you I, really what they even did because I never – I saw like whenever you get them, it kind of gives you an example with an enemy as to what it does, um, and I'd just be like, well, that's neat, but I'm never – there's no situation that I want to use that. You know, mm. homing missile is totally going to just – do what I need it to do and that's what I'm gonna keep using.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, homing's definitely the one I use the most in the game and if I wasn't sure what I was doing or where I was gonna be, then that's the one you want operating. You can only use one at a time. Thankfully you can just switch them on the fly with the the start button or the select button. But you can also pause the game. And then change your weapon, which I found in the later levels to be extremely useful. But if I, yeah, if I didn't know where I was going to be, you just charge a homing shot, make sure you fire it off every once in a while, and, and you're good to go. Um, yeah. The other shots you earn, and again, it's one after each level, you get a bomb shot, that means uh, you shoot it forward and it kind of does an explosion when it lands. There are some enemies that uh, have shields and such that that will actually help hurt them a lot faster. Uh, there's a bat ability. It's, it's actually not just an attack, but it's a magic spell use. Mm. When you get the bat, which I found interesting. One, there's plenty of spots in the game where you have to be the bat and then very narrowly swim, you know, swim, very narrowly fly around spikes and other things that can kill you because if you're the bat and you get any damage, you immediately turn back into Kid Dracula. Also, if you try to fire when you're the bat, you fire and you turn into Kid Dracula. So you're pretty much unable to attack anything. You've got to kind of just fly around. The control is a little floaty with the bat. I think that's on purpose. But it meant that there are some sections that were extremely difficult because you had to make sure, one, you turned into a bat at the right spot. And then you had to kind of, like, you drift up and down as you're flying forward as the bat Mm. uh, based on what you hit last. So you have to just kind of really floatily move this bat through some pretty narrow areas to get through this game. So I don't think there's any way to avoid using the bat. Um, After that, you earn the ice shot, which I used one time in the game. Mm -hmm. If you charge up the ice shot, in theory it would freeze enemies. Uh, I never saw it actually useful to freeze enemies, but there is a later boss that breathes fire, and the only thing that hurts it is the ice shot. So you need Mm -hmm. it for that boss. But again, since there's no way you wouldn't have it at that point, it's kind of a dumb mechanic. Uh, And then the, the last ability you get is called Up, Up, Down, Down. And that essentially puts you like reverses gravity it's a gravity reverse ability the downside with that is it has a time limit on it but it's not a time limit where it will run out if you want it to or not although that does happen it's also a time limit that you can't end early so if you're trying to just use up down to go across a platform then all of a sudden you need to get on the floor again you have to wait seven seconds or however long Mm -hmm. it lasts which does not seem long until you're just staring at the screen waiting waiting for it to turn off so you can go back to the ground
2: I, th- I thought it was actually kind of cool that they threw these in there because up until the point where like, the game made it mandatory in a section to use the bat, I was just like, why is it giving me this stuff? Mm-hmm. Besides you know, just trying to cheese my way through levels and, and fly above enemies or something like that. But uh, it, yeah, at some point, uh, the last few levels actually has you use these, these different abilities to kind of make your way through. And there's actually one boss uh giant robot boss where doing the up down thing is really the best way to kill him
0: yes um
2: and so yeah it's it's just kind of cool that they they threw that in there for a game that up until that point had been the most absolute basic and straightforward platformer i think i've played in years
1: yeah i it was uh it was uh, it's just uh, the abilities do add a lot to it and, and like the bat um a lot of games where you get things where you're, you're able to fly, it's like Jeremy said, it's, it's a way of kind of cheesing past enemies, skipping huge portions of the stage. I found the bat was, it was awful hard to do that. It was hard to do anything with the bat besides what they obviously intended for you to do. So I, I thought that it was a, a, a very well done thing. And like you said, the, the up, up, down, down, the, the boss fight where you have to use that is, is, is excellent. It's great use of it um, it's, it's always just It's nice to see games with, with special weapons and abilities Like this that have You know just a, a, kind of a Practical application for it And, and they're not all useless I, I, The only useless thing on there was the ice Besides the one boss fight Otherwise I think it, it did a great job of, of just giving you these weapons And you know Just letting you kind of figure out uh, When the best time to use them was
0: So this game has nine levels, and... The first level is pretty straightforward, Castlevania, but super simple. The second one's on a cloud and kind of introduces you the fact that you're going to have some instant deaths in this game. There's a section of that second level where you have to ride on this little platform train thing. It's not a full train. It's like a platform. I don't know what you'd call it. It's a platform on a rail and you're Mm. supposed to it flies through the stage. But you have to shoot these guys that come across the screen at you or else they hit you. And then it is small enough to knock you off. So it's. I died a bunch of times on that little platform section, mm-hmm. but generally level two, other than introducing that you have to jump very carefully, didn't get too difficult. Uh, this game is very, very unbalanced for the difficulty. There are some levels that I got through in one shot, no no concerns. I mean, there, there's a level where you go through a city, uh, I think it's like level six or, or five, it's one of the later levels, and and I went through it in one shot. Go through the city, and then the boss you get to at the end isn't even a boss you necessarily fight, technically. Uh, the bosses in this game are they're they're easy generally especially once you get the homing shot there are some of them that i think the homing shot almost makes them uh non <laughs> like like more just a a thing to look at for a minute and then you're done like there's not a lot of challenge on a lot of these bosses uh, until you get towards the very end of the game where you have to be very precise with specific attacks but the other bosses like the first level boss is just a two ghosts and actually mm-hmm. in the the japanese version they're two ghosts that happen to be guys with sheets on their head with swastikas on them. So I'm glad mm-hmm. they changed them for the U.S. release. So they just look like two people in ghost outfits. <laughs> I'd much rather fight that. But they're super simple. They just jump across the screen. You shoot them a few times and they run off. And, uh, and then in some of the other levels, it's, you know, there's, there's like a big face at one point. that You're riding a, uh, a platform in a circle around the face. And as long as you're using homing shots, you just keep hitting it with homing shots until it dies. No problem. Mm-hmm. There are a few bosses that are kind of interesting. Uh there's a quiz show boss. That's the one at the end oh, of the city. <laughs> um now I don't normally like a a non boss like this. Uh, and in this case I can't even say that it's great because there's some of the easiest questions that any did anyone have to get past three questions?
2: I did because I didn't actually understand what I was supposed to do the first <laughs> time. Because okay. I actually I pressed the button before like the the text wrote out on the screen. So it was just I just chose an empty Well, it looked empty to me, but it was the wrong answer. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I mean, some of them, there was one that like, uh, it was like, what is the uh, southernmost uh, place or whatever? And one of the options was Shadow Moses for Metal mm, Gear. Mm-hmm. And then like another question was like, "Where's Where's my friend? Uh, you know, like Yakuji live?" And it was like these places in fucking Japan. And I just guessed on that one, but I was like, "What the fuck are these questions?" <laughs> I mean, there's a few. Of, obviously, they're, they're the ones that are there. They're easy, but then there's just a couple that I was just like, "What the
1: fuck's going on
2: with this game?" Uh,
1: this is right on par, right on par with the Alex Kid fucking Jenkins ma- matchups. <laughs> I, it's just so out of place. I think it's, it's, it's what it's fucking statue of Liberty. Yes. I, uh, that does not want to fight you. That, that is peaceful. So you're going to settle things in, in a damn quiz show. And <laughs> I was quite taken aback at this point. This is when that it, it could not be any further. Can you see playing through fucking uh, symphony in the night and fucking all of a sudden you find yourself in the midst of a fucking quiz show and uh, if you walked in at this point, you would never know that this was anything to do with Castlevania. But at the same time, I, as bizarre as this thing was, it the game has a certain sense of humor to it. Um, and it's not, you know, obviously it's not laugh out loud funny. It's more just the, the occasional jaw dropping. But I, I did appreciate that at least. There There's a very, I guess more of a, probably a very Japanese very bizarre sense of humor throughout the game.
0: It's like a parodious sense of humor, mm, you know. It's mm-hmm, it's those mm-hmm. it's little goofy things that are you know it's tongue in cheek. It's making fun of the fact that it is a video game uh, yes. the whole way through. But you know, I, I didn't mind the question thing, I guess. And maybe it's a random assortment of what order you get the questions in. The first three questions, because you only need to get three correct to win, the first three questions are about the Statue of Liberty, and they're extremely simple questions. And I, I mean, at least. I thought they were. I mean, I'm not some genius on the Statue of Liberty. It was like, you know, what, 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 what state am I located in? What, mm-hmm. what country did I come from? And you know, some other question about the Statue of Liberty. And I was like, okay, so I got those three right. It was over. I was like, that was the dumbest boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I was kind of glad uh, that that level was over. It was a fairly long level in a the city. There were some subway sections. I was looking forward to getting into another level, and I shouldn't have been because mm-hmm. this game has, as I mentioned, some some very Uneven difficulty. So the level before that was super easy. And then the level I got stuck on after that, which is level seven, is an entirely vertical level where you're jumping on these platforms from the bottom of the screen to the top of the screen. You only have a small room to jump in. It's not the whole screen wide. It's like the middle of the screen is this tube that you're in while these platforms fly around you. And if you jump up and hit the bottom of a platform with your head, it's solid and you bounce down to the ground. So you not only have to—oh, not to, not to the ground, because you fall to your death. So you have to make sure you get these jumps on the proper platforms. And it's, if you wait too long, there's a really good chance another platform is coming down, you're going to hit your head on, that makes that first jump impossible. And while you're doing that, you have to be shooting the homing shot pretty much every time you come to a new section because there are a handful of enemies that are on these platforms that will knock you off to your death. So you have mm-hmm. to constantly shoot this homing beam while you are jumping up this platform, uh, jumping up this tube on these platforms, and it's constantly moving up, so you fall to your earth pretty easily. Uh, I had a lot of problems with that level. Uh, I don't know if you guys had no problem, and maybe I'm just bad at platforming, but it was, hands down, the hardest level in the game, and the one where I I was borderline on the on the edge of deciding I wasn't going to play this anymore.
2: I didn't have that much of a problem with this one. Uh, I, I, it definitely took me a few tries and I think it's probably one of the hardest ones in the in the game. Uh, the one that I, the thing that actually got me was that one boss you were t- talking about earlier where you go around in a circle and there's there's no floor, right but you are literally just going in a circle and she's shooting out uh, the head is shooting out bubbles at you. Mm. and <laughs> no matter how many mm-hmm. times I fired off that homing homing shot, uh, at those bubbles, it seemed like it would always miss the bubble, and the bubble would hit me and I'd fall to my death, yeah. and I would have to repeat that entire section over again to the point where I finally just did a save state right before that boss, and even then I don't know if I was just doing something wrong with it it still took me like 15 tries to get past that boss um, but yeah, wow. this this, state, this little thing here with the, the platforms and stuff, it's these, these spikes in difficulty, it's like Konami's trying its best to make a fun little kids game that anyone can play, but then they just can't help themselves. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're just they gotta throw in some asshole thing that's that's just gonna make you pull out your hair out of nowhere. I and mean, it's such a wild degree of of difficulty. It's it literally going from the easiest game ever to a really challenging game just out of nowhere. Yeah.
0: Well, the, like the section where you have to be the bat. There are a couple of those sections that were also extremely difficult for me, and maybe everyone else blew through them, but I would, I just could not control that bat well enough to get through some of those spike sections easily. And again, it's not a big deal, especially if you got 40 lives from the bonus games, but still, you don't want to continue. Now, thankfully, this game does give you unlimited continues. Uh, it starts at the beginning of whatever level you're at when you continue with three lives or five lives or something. It's it's a, a better than it would be in a Castlevania, and it's not limited, which is nice, um, I I think, and you mentioned you did a save state to get through that boss. I didn't have to do any save states because the collection allows you to have a save state for each game until the last level. And I don't know if it would have been necessary if I wasn't kind of trying to finish this for the purpose of the podcast and therefore had kind of a time limit. But I, I didn't have to even cheese it too much. I'd get to a boss the first time I got to him if I couldn't figure it out. I would save state when I got to the boss the next time, and and finish that boss off because the last level has you know some hard sections, and then a boss at the end of that, and a boss at the end of that, and a boss. So there's several several fairly difficult fights, and up until that level, I don't think there's any boss that when you get to it you can't more or less figure out what to do. Where yeah. the last level has three bosses in a row that have very specific either attacks you have to use or a very specific timing of what you need to do and what you need to hit. A lot of the other bosses in this game, and I'm surprised you had that much problem with that boss, Jeremy, that goes in circles, because for me it was one and out. I didn't have any issue. I must have just timed those shots perfectly. Um, but but there's a lot of those bosses that you know generally, they're one or two shots and you'd figure it out pretty quickly. Everything, you can tell when they're getting hurt. It's, it's pretty easy to hit them. These bosses, like the one where you have to use the ice shot on, I mean, I would never have known that's what to do, except that I ran out of other ideas.
2: Yeah, and and again, just out of nowhere, like no other boss has has required anything like that. It's just been super easy, and then all of a sudden here's here's a boss where you have to use a very specific weapon that you you, you know you got to use your eye shot. And the only reason I figured that out was like what you're you know there's a fire background. You know he comes out of the fire, and nothing else I was throwing at him was doing anything. So I was like, well maybe maybe this eye shot will do it, and Lo and behold, it does, but you you only get, like, one or two shots at him while he's doing all these other things, flipping out across the screen, and you have to learn a pattern suddenly. It's like a real boss fight.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and the rest of that level is is very similar. It has some tough parts. The All three bosses have significant patterns you must learn, and if you mess up any of them, I mean, you have five hearts, but still, that doesn't take long. You mess up three times, you're down to one or two hits, and you have to start over again, and this level is incredibly frustrating because there's really no midpoint you're starting at the beginning of of the game or of that level every time so you've got to get through three different bosses to get to the end and some fairly difficult platforming sections um you know but but for an nes game and especially for a castlevania this is still a very simple game with some really cool ideas but you should have no problem getting through it as long as you're persistent
2: yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it, there are definitely the difficulty spikes and everything like that. But by and far, I mean, the majority of the game is is a very simple platforming game. And it was it was always kind of fun to to see what it was going to throw out next, because every level is different. I mean, a lot of them are just the generic like ice level, water level. Uh, but then again, there was like the, the Statue of Liberty stage set in New York, where there's like off brand purple Spider-Man climbing up buildings and uh, Jason Mm -hmm. off-brand Jason climbing up in in, in a little subway ride that you're doing uh like stuff like that's kind of fun and and all of the bosses even though they were super simple uh were kind of neat as to what they were um and seeing them so yeah I mean uh, for a Castlevania game I mean this really isn't anything like a Castlevania game this is nothing like a Castlevania game (laughs) it's more of a Mega Man game but I mean, for what it is, and being on this collection, I I think it's more than worth playing through. I think it's a a pretty fun little platformer.
1: Yeah, and it's nothing groundbreaking. Um, I mean, maybe if if you would have played it back at the time, but if if you've never played that, uh, and and you're just you know getting the collection and trying it out, yeah, if you've played through Mega Man, you've you've essentially played through a game like this. It, It doesn't really bring anything hugely innovative but it's 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 got a lot of charm to it and and i think that's really what floats it along because it's not really exceptional in any other way it's it's just a lot of the a lot of little odd qualities to it you know the the castlevania ties the the Man like qualities the the odd bits of humor here and there and yeah like jeremy said some of the uh some of the cameos from from Copyrighted characters uh, that certainly are not those characters at all, but yeah, it, it just has enough little interesting pieces to to where it's a, it's it's a solid long game to play through. It's nine stages, but uh, especially if you don't have a lot of trouble with them, you could breeze through this thing in no time. So yeah, this was a uh, this was an entry I questioned uh, upon playing the first level. Um, yeah, I, this game really won me over, uh, and it was just, uh, difficulty aside, uh, it was it was just a real smooth playthrough on this one.
0: This is the kind of game that, if we had had access to it, and it was called Anything Else, and was not by Konami, it would be one of those games where you're like, guys, you have to try this game. It's so weird, or it's got these little things, but it's super fun. You know, like, I, I will go to my grave defending Goonies 2 as one of the best NES games of all time. Is it? I don't know. I love it. I can play it over and over again. But, uh, but if this game was called, like, I don't know, Super Vampire Adventure by like Kemco, uh-huh. I would have been like, guys, this game is so bizarre, you have to try this out. It would be the kind of game that it, the people that did play it would love it, because it is put together well. It's a fun game. It, it does keep things interesting. Yes, it has some difficulty spikes, but uh, in a way that's good, because otherwise this would have been a cakewalk and uh, not worth mentioning at all except for how how it's a weird tie-in to Castlevania. Uh, One more fact about this game that I found out doing the little bit of research I could do on it. The main bad guy in this game is called Garamoth. And he essentially, you know, Dracula goes to sleep for a thousand years or a hundred thousand years or something, wakes up and Garimoth has taken over uh, the the evil empire, so he goes to get it back. That's the story of this game. Well, Garimoth appears again in Symphony of the Night. In in Symphony of the Night, you fight that giant, it looks like it's a... like three screens tall, looks almost like an Egyptian god at one point. That's Garamoth. He shoots the lightning. Mm. If you guys remember him? So Garamoth's huh. in Symphony of the Night. And then, if anyone played Castlevania Judgment on the Wii, which is the fighting game, which God, <laughs> I hope nobody did, Garamoth is the person that causes whatever the storyline in that series to happen is because he tries to to cut Dracula out of time or pull people from the past to fight Dracula, something along those lines. So Even though this is not not really Castlevania, Castlevania Castlevania-esque game, they took the main bad guy from this game that was in nothing else before this and tied them into one of the best Castlevania games ever and what would have been, I guess, the start to a a series of fighting games, and thankfully it was not. Uh, Hmm. So so this is canon. I just don't know how it all fits in.
1: Yeah, and the you know the old jab and pop skeleton was never to be seen again, unfortunately.
0: Uh yeah, he—that's a bad game. So I'm not, I'm not so sad that that I never did even get a bonus from that game. I think I just got unlucky every time. One sword was the one that popped him, and that was it. It was like, well, that mm-hmm. that was a waste of time. So either way, this is a definitely an interesting game. Uh, it it is it's not a Castlevania game. Jeremy's right. It's a lot more like a Mega Man or or a knockoff Mega Man. Uh, that said. Very well made. It's a lot of fun. I could see it mm-hmm. playing it along the same time you play like DuckTales or Rescue Rangers. Like it's it's a very simple, straightforward game, but with some definite spikes of difficulty that might uh, might stop the average person from playing through this one from start to finish.
2: I think it's really cool that Konami took the time to actually localize this little game. You know, they didn't have to, and they could have just thrown in what they did and called it a day. But uh, to to throw in this little oddity and, and this overall a really good collection uh, is, you know, good on them. They actually did something right for once.
0: Well, they did. And, and what they could have done, and what I'm glad they didn't do, you know, on that shooter collection, they have the arcade game that was, you know, from Castlevania, a Haunted Castle or whatever, and, and that game's terrible. And I'm really glad they put that on the arcade collection and left this for something that would be more fun, because there's nothing less fun than that arcade Castlevania game. <laughs> So yeah, that's our thoughts on Kid Dracula and overall the, the Castlevania collection. Uh, overall, three, three votes to get that collection if you like Castlevania at all. And if you do, there's no reason not to at least try Kid Dracula because it's different. Uh, but yet, you know, still meets a lot of the requirements of what I'd consider to be a, a solid 8-bit action game. Uh, for our next episode, we're going to go back to the Super Nintendo for an rpg classic we actually don't cover many rpgs i i would say a none uh, other than that that final fantasy 8 episode that i demanded we do so i could stop playing that ever again so we're going to hit our second real rpg uh and there aren't too many of them to go from so i'm sure you'll figure it out but there will be further hints on our instagram and our twitter account but i believe last episode we previewed we were going to do a, a fairly large chunk of listener mail is that still going on
2: uh, yeah, we do. Uh, we we actually do have uh, several questions here. Uh, again, guys, this all comes from our contact form on Retrovania.net. Uh, just put that in your, your internet machine, and it'll take you to uh, Retrovania.net, where you can find all of our stuff, including our YouTube channel, our Twitter page, Facebook page, all that cool stuff that's on the internet. But if you scroll down to the bottom, there's this contact form. And if you fill that out, press the send button, We'll, well we'll get it through the magic of the internet I I can't explain how it works I I don't know but we will get it we will read it on here and a lot of these are questions that we received uh several episodes ago or whatever just didn't really have a place to, to throw them in here and so that's kind of what we're gonna do with these questions none of these are very specific or, or show specific really but uh you know we figured it's it's probably time to just throw these out here also there were several questions that we didn't put in this one that were kind of uh uh, all about the the sound chips for the Super NES and Sega Genesis. Uh, I, I think we we may may have had enough of those at this point. Uh, thank you for for you know writing about those and everything. But uh, as far as like what we can read here, we would just really be retreading a lot of water already. Uh, I know you guys really like that Sega Genesis chip. That's uh, we get wow. it. We get it. I've been um, on the
1: internet and I know a lot of people like a lot of weird shit. Yeah.
2: But... <laughs> All right so we 're going to start off here with Peyton Robinson, and uh we're going we're going to go back to taco bell here uh, you 're oh, at
1: Taco Bell
2: that's and you no have it
1: from my stomach
2: yeah well uh, he he's, uh, he writes in to ask you 're at Taco Bell and you have a choice between soft or hard tacos. What do you choose your iTunes review your iTunes review score from me depends on what your answer is
1: well this uh, well this depends um there's nothing more bland than that original hard shell. So I, I would do soft. But uh, if you're talking about that Doritos shell, now I, I could certainly have at that. So, I mean, it just depends uh, between the two. It, it, it also depends if I'm taking it home or if I'm in the car. If I'm in the car, I, I usually don't go for the hard shell because they, traditionally, if you let it sit in that bag for a minute, the bottom of that shell falls through and you're left with a fucking sandwich at that point it's not a taco anymore um so if i'm driving it's going to be a soft shell if i'm taking it all the way home i'll go for that doritos locos hard shell
0: uh i mean i yeah i I normally skip the regular tacos go for the chalupa or something grosser but if i was going to do it i think you're right if i'm eating it immediately like getting it sitting down there i i like the hard shell but Mm -hmm. you're Literally, moments are the difference between that hard shell being a good taco yes. and and being two giant chips that all your shit falls off of. Yes. So, so and in a car, yeah, I'd probably go with soft as well. But I, I, all things equal. I know I'm going to sit there and eat them. I'm ordering right there and getting my giant Mountain Dew that I'm not going to want to drink for any reason. <laughs> uh, I would probably get the hard taco and mm-hmm. as much fire sauce as I can put on those things.
2: Mm-hmm. I'd probably go with the soft taco just because, uh, like Billy, I, I eat a lot of lunches in my car. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you, you know, even if you do get that hard taco fresh, yeah. uh, you take one bite and that thing explodes everywhere. And th- uh,
1: that's that's the catch-22 with it. The fresher it is, the hotter it is off there. Yeah. The shorter amount of time you have that that shell remains intact.
2: Yeah, so you either get this sloppy, greasy mess that's falling out from the bottom of the taco or you just get it exploded all over your car. Uh, so I, I usually just go with the soft taco uh, to keep to keep things a little clean. Mm-hmm. All right. So next up is Oliver, and he writes and ask uh, or, or tell us actually. I like your podcast, but why would you ever waste your time at Taco Bell when Arby's and Burger King are vastly superior?
0: Mm.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> does, does everyone realize we're a, a gaming podcast? I mean, I'm glad everyone has questions about Taco Bell <laughs> and fast food. I, I mean, I could answer those all day. We could start a secondary podcast that just discusses fast food, and I would 100% be down with that. Uh, you know, I, I do You're agree. not going
1: to get the fucking sponsorship if you keep talking like that.
0: I, I do like uh, some Arby's. Uh, I, would, I would also choose to go to an Arby's. But Taco Bell... There's something about a Taco Bell, especially at like two in the morning, that mm-hmm. nothing else is going to hit. So I, I'm I'm a big fan of the Taco Bell, but only only when I haven't had Mexican food recently or two in the morning.
1: Yeah, you can't have good Mexican food fresh on your mind. Uh, yeah, it's just, <laughs> you're just going to end up home sad. But uh, yeah, I mean Taco Bell. There's a there's particular time for it. That, that is certainly. You know, the late at, late night hours, or for some reason, even though it's the harshest on me, I've determined that's like the perfect long road trip food. Uh, I'm just setting up a lot of future stops. But but yeah, it's just, it's a, uh, it's a, the Arby's is okay. It's just okay. I, I like those damn curly fries. Uh, but the roast beef, I think I finally just fucking got tired. I think they got tired of it. Uh, they're not even pushing that anymore. You know, it's all this other shit now. Burger King. Mm, I don't know about that. I, I just if, if I was going to get a. Um, and I if I want to get a burger and I want to get it quick, I, I don't think I would go. I, I, it's certainly better in McDonald's. Uh, but I've got a five guys nearby. And if I'm going to get me a burger, that, that's always going to win out.
0: Yeah, the the Burger King Whopper is not not a great burger. I, I don't care for the Never way that dry burger.
1: I, I would take a Wendy's burger first.
0: Oh yeah, Wendy's is much better. Uh, but what Burger King does have is a chicken sandwich shaped like an oval, and that is actually <laughs> solid. I will eat that chicken sandwich shaped like an oval any day. Uh, also, if there was a Bojangles nearby, that's all you get. You skip everything else. You go straight to that Bojangles. You mm-hmm. get yourself a steak biscuit, a fried steak biscuit, and you get the spicy chicken meal yeah. with potato rounds. So if there's a, always, if there's a Bojangles, that takes that takes precedence over that's like top tier, and then you can go down to your Taco Bell and your Arby's. But no, if there's a Bojangles number one, no matter what.
1: Yeah, I've got one right down the street from me, and I my my Bojangles uh, uh, just to eliminates. To ask, it's the Cajun filet biscuit with cheese. Oh yeah, and, and a picnic order of dirty rice. Oh.
2: See, I just now had Bojangles for the first time, like a couple of months ago. We don't have them up here in Indiana, but mm-hmm. you go south, uh, and I actually had to go down to uh, kind of close to Nashville, Tennessee, and going down there, I saw a Bojangles off the side of the highway. I was like, oh, God, I got to stop. You know, I, I, all my life, I've heard about this goddamn chicken biscuit. Mm-hmm. So I, I went there, just got a, a regular, not the Cajun one. I didn't know what I was dealing with. I figured uh, you want the Cajun. Start... Want yeah, the Cajun? I, I. that's what everybody told me I should have got, but what I got was really fucking good. Mm-hmm. I did not like the boat potatoes, though. I just, they're, t- they're too oniony tasting. Maybe I just got too much of the special seasoning or something. Mm. It, it was like putting a, a fried onion or something in my mouth, and I, I <laughs> wasn't into it.
0: No, no, those are excellent. I, I love those. And, and there aren't many even where I am either in Maryland. Uh, you have to go to one near the uh, the PG County Courthouse that I had to frequent once a month for a while for a reason. But there was a Bojangles right there. And so I loved those monthly visits just just for the option to get some Bojangles.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's do away with fast food and get back to some actual uh, gaming here. And uh, uh, Jeremy Mills, another Jeremy, we're spreading, mm-hmm. uh, writes in to ask uh, or tell us what's up, Retrovaniacs crew. Just a fellow Jeremy writing in to ask, what are your all time both new and retro co-op games? I remember playing an unhealthy amount of Golden Axe with my brother as a kid, and I always looked to see if a game had co-op on it on the back of the box before bringing it home. Anyway, thanks for the great show.
1: Ooh, well, this is—I mean—I've got to go. Of course, uh, I've spoke about it many times. Contra on uh, the NES was—that was the go-to. I mean, that was just a uh, just an, a, an awesome game to sit down there. Are we talking about local? Is that what, as far as co-op goes? Is that what we're assuming? Well, if I'd you're, go with
0: local. Yeah, and if you're going retro, especially, I, there aren't many options there.
1: Yeah, for the old one, I mean, obviously you would, and that would just—it would have to be Contra. Um that and uh, there are just some some odd ones here and there. That it just seemed like my my cousin and I got together almost every weekend uh, when we were growing up, and and we had our staples. We would and, and uh, not all good games. I mean, Akari Warriors Two, Victory Road, we we would play over and over again. And that game is one that I owned and wouldn't touch when I played by myself. Uh, but if I had Someone with me, yeah, it's an incredibly fun game then. Uh, and other games like fucking Rescue Rangers, also just excellent game with two players, endlessly replayable. Um, yeah, Contra was my big one, the, my big from just the original. Um, a newer fairies now, um, and and yeah, I don't do a lot. Online gaming. Uh, Jeremy and I might get together on occasion for something, um, but if I had people over, I, it would it would be you know along the lines of your your Mario Kart or uh, yeah, Mario Kart Smash Brothers kind of kind of games like that. Not so much story driven games anymore. Is, is you know like whatever that would fall under sporting you know fighting type games um, that and oh and, and Bomberman it is still. Bomberman's probably still the best hit when you have a crowd over to sit down and play through with friends.
0: Uh, For the Nintendo, Contra and Jackal were ones we had as kids. Uh, Mm -hmm. Both of those were were ones we played over and over again. Uh, Later in the system, but one I think as a whole is one I still like to play now, two players. In fact... Uh, at this point, it's probably four years ago. But for New Year's Eve one year, it was just me and a friend because my wife was out doing something else, and uh, and we played River City Ransom start to finish yes. for New Year's. That's a great two player game. Yes. Um, I mean, it's a little long. Uh, you know, you can play through Contra or Jackal in half an hour. It, it's a little longer than that. Play River City Ransom, but it was it was a good time. Really liked it. Um, more recently, yeah, I mean Mario Kart and Smash Brothers. The, the Switch really has kind of brought back some multiplayer in the same room that I wouldn't have had. Uh, with PS4 or or the Xbox 360 even, uh, especially because I suck at fighting games. But the the pinnacle of group, like multiplayer, even in the same room for me, and it's probably also based on the time frame uh, for my age, but when the PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 1 with the four-player tap and the Dreamcast having four players at once, uh, we would have nights where we would play like six hours of Choo Choo Rocket. And there's nothing more infuriating than Choo Choo Rocket. I loved it. I I think it might be my favorite puzzle game of all time like action puzzle game but it was also super easy to be like oh someone's winning well we're going to gang up on that guy and you could just screw them for hours and and that was good i used to like power stone a lot power stone was a lot of fun with other players uh not so fun by yourself i bought it on psp recently and as a one-player game it is boring as shit but as multiplayer it was actually a lot of fun and uh and even things like uh you know trap gunner that was two players that's kind of a Uh, Bomberman with more more involved rules I mean I I liked those kind of versus games more than co-op and I still kind of do it's just those those games like I'm not going to play my kids in Bomberman after about 20 minutes they're going to tell me they hate me and walk away there's no fun in that you got to play with people who are aggressive and (laughs) and make it worth playing Uh, Mario Kart's probably as close as I'm going to get to that with them
2: I for newer games it's kind of sad because you know there's really not too many games anymore that really promote that kind of couch co-op feel to it. Um I guess the one that I remember the most a newer game was Left 4 Dead on consoles. Uh the split screen in that game, I, I played that for hours and hours with with friends. Um and even the uh the Portal 2, uh the the kind of co-op thing that it had was was really fun. I enjoy games that instead of just everyone going down a straight line um, and just making it as hard as possible, mainly like those newer uh, Super Mario games, uh, the 2D ones, like those, that's just kind of maddening to me. I like it where like two people can kind of work together uh, to go throughout a stage and like Rolling Thunder 2 on the Genesis was like that. I really enjoyed that game uh, because you could kind of divide and conquer a a stage. There was like a a top level and a lower level. And it was just fun to to kind of, you know, have each other's back and, and take that. The top level, if it needed to go, or go to the bottom layer. Um, but besides that, I'd probably go with um, uh, the best co-op game ever was General Chaos for the Sega Genesis, wow. and uh,
0: that is oh, the wow.
2: that is the end of this question. Was that even a
0: co-op game? You know what? Never mind. Go, <laughs> go <laughs> to the next question.
1: <laughs> no, it was. I <laughs> that's the best way to lose friends. That I it know. was
2: totally a co-op game. It was the best way to play it. Um, I suggest you both go back and listen to that episode all over again and relive the joy. Of, of hearing about uh, General Chaos Co-op. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Next question comes in from Philip P. Wait, Philip T. There we go. Aloha, Jeremy's and Billy. I just listened to your Link's Awakening episode, and the talk about the Game Boy camera and how it was used brought back a ton of memories, because I absolutely loved weird gaming peripherals when I was a kid. One of my all-time favorites was the Game Boy Advance e-reader, where you could scan physical cards into the Game Boy Advance and play whatever game was on the card. Usually it was just an NES game, but I thought it was still rad at the time. Do any of you have any favorite odd hardware like that, or were you smart and didn't waste money on it like I did?
1: I didn't waste money on any like off the wall kind of peripherals. I, I got all the shitty ones. I mean, I you know I had the Power Glove, um, Power Pad, which I still fucking swear by. I, I, I would play a game of world class track meet anytime. Um, but no, I can't think of anything just incredibly crazy third party type add-ons I mean I I love things you know like I said I love the power pad Uh, game genie of course was was phenomenal sure there were some that I wanted Um, I believe Animal Crossing didn't Animal Crossing have some I just know my blockbuster video had an Animal Crossing kiosk and I don't know much about what was going on there but I wish I knew more Um, there was something involved with printing out pictures and whatnot. um But no, I never sprung for any of the, you know, just the the crazy shit that was out there. And I think most of that was because I've I've talked oftentimes about, you know, kind of growing up in a small town, we didn't have a large variety of video games or peripherals. And if we did have any, it was, you know, it was the stuff directly from Nintendo. So I I, I did miss out on a lot of those.
0: I had the e-reader. I, I had the Game Boy E-Reader, and it was actually even more cool than just having, uh, it did have those games, and it would be like five playing cards, basically. And you'd have to scan each side of each card in a certain order, and it would unlock, or I, I don't know if it was, had the information on it or it unlocked it, but I assume it had the information on it, for like Excite Bike or Clue Clue Land, or some of these old Nintendo games. Uh, and I thought that was really cool, but what I actually bought it for is and I think this may be what you were referring to as well, Billy, if you bought the connector that connected your Game Boy to your GameCube. Uh, there was a cable that turned your, your game your Game Boy Advanced into a um, like a, a controller for what, Links Away Link Four Swords or one of those games. Well you could use that same cable and the e reader. And for Animal Crossing, and I want to say Mario Party did this too, you could scan Animal Crossing cards and different neighbors would send you different presents. And if you had the the card with your neighbor on it and you scanned it, it was a high rate that you'd get one of the Nintendo games that unlocked in the Game, GameCube uh, version of Animal Crossing. So I had that e-reader, and I thought it was super cool. And in in true Nintendo fashion, they supported it for about 22 minutes and then mm-hmm. threw it on the side and forgot all about it. Uh, I I, did, I bought a lot of, you know, like Billy mentioned, the, the the power glove. I had one of those when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. I did have the power pad. I had a handheld Dance Dance Revolution pad that you'd use your fingers on. I don't know quite why I bought that. Mm-hmm. I had the Negicon, which was the controller that um, Namco put out, that you twisted the controller like a steering wheel, uh, along with it having some more... Uh, sensitive analog buttons for gas and brake i thought that was a super cool controller that three games used but one of which was motor tune which is awesome and i had i didn't buy this but i had there was a short time where i lived with five people in a house uh when we all worked retail and so we had all the dumbest video game stuff and one of those dudes bought that 200 hundred uh, dollar mech game that came with like a giant mech harness <laughs> controller uh, I I did try it once. I did not care for the game. That was probably the craziest one of those things I'd ever seen because it was good literally for one game and it was two hundred dollars. And I never understood why you'd want that.
2: I actually remember that one because my friend bought it. I, I the only reason I remember is because he went to a uh, uh, I guess it was a you know electronics boutique back in the day, and they had stuck that bastard up on the top shelf uh, as far as you could get from the floor, and that thing probably weighed a good. You know, it wasn't light. It was well, probably well over fifty pounds, and uh, I remember my friend pointing up to that thing and just the look of despair on that employee's face when he, when he had to haul the ladder out to to crawl up to the ceiling to to bring down that goddamn met game. Um, I guess for me, the ones that I remember the most, uh, they're not too old. I had the, uh, the Donkey Konga bongos,
0: yeah, I yep, for really Donkey cool. Konga,
2: um, I the uh, the Samba de Amigo maracas. Like those, those Did you have things? on
0: Dreamcast the actual official ones? Yes yeah. and You and I are the people that bought the only two sets they made in the US I, so I well, was wondering well who else
2: actually <laughs> bought those Because god damn it They're so much fun Even though they kind of don't work half the time <laughs> they're, they're really fun They were $90 when they came out They were yeah, super I,
0: expensive and I, I had to have them
2: I was such a, any sort of thing like that, I was such a mark for because I I really loved rhythm games. And anytime you added that kind of stuff to a rhythm game, I was like, that's awesome. But then it was weird because when they actually started adding like things like guitars and stuff to rhythm games, I was like, I don't want that. But it it just had to be weird. And and I would totally spend way too much money on it. Um, uh, I guess the one, the old one back in the day that I remember the most that I wanted that I'm glad I never got was the, um, I think it's called the NES laser scope. I want to say Konami made it, you, you wore it on your head and, uh, it was basically, it looked like a sort of laser gun thing, kind of pointing out from the side of your head and you could somehow control a game with it. And I never quite understood what magic it used, but I've been told by several people and, and seen several videos at this point that is it's complete junk. Um, so I, maybe i'll i'll find a picture of that and send that to jeremy just so everybody's not thinking that i'm just having a fever dream over here or something and making things up
0: i think i remember that because the, there was a commercial or at least a a, a a an ad in a magazine where a guy had it in his head and it had like a clear plastic thing over your eye that had like a reticle yeah. on it and the guy screamed fire so yeah, i, I think i remember this thing i'll have to find find a picture of that
2: okay all right so i'm not crazy but anyway uh we will, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the uh, next question here. And that comes in from I'm Commander Shepard and I approve of this contact form. Thank you, Commander Shepard. Appreciate that. And uh, Commander Shepard writes in to ask, I noticed you've been backing and promoting some shirt Kickstarters lately, but do you have any stuff of your own that I could purchase? I really could go for a retro retroviniacs button or some dumb thing to add to my collection of podcast swag. Thankums for the show.
0: Uh, the short answer is no, uh, at this time. But we have discussed would we want to make buttons or stickers or shirts or something, and and it's something we have thought about. I have. Uh, we've got some designs of things we would like to do. Uh, I guess if you're interested in such things, you should also you know let us know either on the contact form or, or just send us a message on Twitter or Facebook, letting us know you'd be interested in things like that. We definitely are looking at. At maybe starting some sort of Patreon that may have some of those things involved or maybe not. I honestly don't have any real idea, but I it's not the first time someone's asked. And I think it would be pretty rad to have a couple things you could buy. Uh, but I also don't just want to do like one of those um, cafe press stores. So I, it would have to be a little more involved than that.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's it's, you know, a fine line to walk between just having a bunch of junk and something that people would actually kind of want to buy yeah. and also not have it for ridiculous prices.
1: Yeah, and I think may, maybe, uh, you know, a nice commemorative plate for in the car made for, for eating your Taco Bell on.
0: Yeah, but yeah, that's... It's specifically for <laughs> that <have>
1: Taco <laughs> Bell sponsor.
0: It's got napkins that shoot out of the bottom. This is going to be a good a good <laughs> item. We're going to sell a lot of these.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, so maybe, uh, Commander Shepard, keep, keep an eye on things here in the future. Uh, and actually, our last uh, question comes in from Carson. <laughs> And uh, he writes in to say, hey, Retrovaniacs dudes, thanks for taking the time to do the show. This is one of my favorite gaming podcasts to listen to when I'm at work or school. My reason for visiting the Oh My God best contact form in the world is to ask what it takes to actually do a podcast like this. I keep threatening my friends to start up a gaming podcast of my own, and they seem up for it, but I would like to put in a little more effort than just recording through a phone. I've looked at guides, but... wait." I've looked at guides and watched videos, but was curious as to what you all put into this show. Like, how much do you spend? Is it a pain in the ass to do, et cetera? And thanks again, dudes.
0: So the hardest thing about this podcast, other than trying to schedule an hour when all three of us can do this uh, every two weeks, is, uh, I mean, you have to put a little money up front. You have to buy uh, at least passable microphones. You don't want to do this over a phone. I think our first two episodes may have been fairly phone related and they sound like it. Uh, you need to have a good microphone. I have a little mixing board on my end that I use since I'm also editing this down. Uh, editing takes a while. I figure if you put an hour into recording a podcast, you're going to spend twice that on editing. And that assumes you aren't a perfectionist. And clearly we aren't for the amount of ums and uhs that I leave in. But you can spend hours editing down an hour to get rid of mistakes or weird pauses. Uh, and then you want to add in some some sounds maybe. it's It, it really is more making sure that the chemistry you have with the other people is good and that you have microphones that make it sound like you're at least in the same country and not talking over a phone.
2: Yeah, I think that's, I, we may have mentioned that before, but that's kind of the biggest challenge for, for this podcast is we all live in different states. And uh, unless you've got something that, that sounds decent, then it really does sound like you live in decent, different states uh, because of just the the software that's available that you can use. You know, you've got either Skype, uh, right now we're using we're having to use Hangouts, uh which which isn't ideal, but that's just kinda what we have to use for right now. Um and, and there's really not much beyond that you can you can use unless you start wanting to to get into the like everyone recording their own uh audio streams via something like um oh god, what's the stupid thing? Sure.
0: I mean you could get a free recorder like Audacity and everyone records their yes, own song.
2: Yes, Audacity or, or something like that and, and record your own um own stream and stuff like that. But I mean, it's just however much effort you want to put into it. Luckily, Jeremy is the one that kind of puts in all the effort besides me and Billy just showing up.
0: So, yeah, that's that's the questions we're going to cover today. We still have a few more left in the queue for our next episode, but if you had any questions, you can definitely send them to us at Retrovania.net. Uh, again, best question form ever, along with links to all of our other uh, YouTubes and Twitter and Instagram, anywhere you can find Retrovaniacs. We'll be back in two weeks with a classic Super Nintendo RPG. Hopefully that won't drive me out of my mind, trying to squeeze one of those in in a two-week window. But find out by tuning in then. And we'll see you next time.